0: good morning. Uh, my name is Luke, and uh, I get the privilege of serving at, in our Fremont campus as one of the student pastors there. Mike was actually here last week, um, and I get to, he actually is getting married here soon, uh, so that's good for him. And uh, and I always enjoy going up, coming up here uh, to Grace Point. Um, my wife is actually from Oregon, and, and so we've i've had a lot of dates up here um, in fact, this is kind of a special day for my wife and i we 've now been married six years as of today uh so we uh, that thanks uh and also, this has just been a journey this kind of uh season of our life and our marriage um, We have already have a three and a half year old and then a month ago at this Wednesday, we have a month old and so a little boy. And I could tell you uh, a little bit um, a girl diapers are interesting um, they they are that 's diapers are all alone they 're just interesting but uh, a boy was totally different for me um, and I found that out at three a m in the hospital first day feel pretty good and then he you, you, you know, a boy, you just have to go to war um, and be ready for it, because you never know what to expect, and you got to be ready. 3 a.m. when you're a little drowsy, and then something's shooting out at you, it's just not great. So he got me once, and I'm trying to keep that as the record right now. But uh, um, with just talking about a journey... I think we all understand life there's a there's journey a journey in life uh, and uh, at some point it will come to an end it actually reminds me of um, a story I once heard about a master and in his servant and the master goes up to his servant and he tells him hey you are the dumbest person I have ever met in my life and I he tells him to do something he's like I want you to carry this stick for the rest of your life until you can find someone as dumb as you. And and when you find someone as dumb as you, then you can pass on the stick. And so, servant, being a good servant, he takes the stick, he leaves, and, and years pass by. And it actually comes to the end of the master's life where the master's thinking through his life. He's on his deathbed, and uh, he's thinking through his life, and he Starts thinking about that servant again. He's like, Man, the last time I talked to him, I was telling him, You are the dumbest person. I, and, and I told him to carry that stick. So he, he's just like, I, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna call him in. And, and so he brings in the servant, and sure enough, the servant is a good servant. He he runs in and he's still carrying that stick. And he's like, Hey Master, hey, what what can I do for you? And Master's like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know I, I'm I'm going on a journey. And the servant's like, okay, well, where are you going, master? And the master goes, I don't know where I'm going. Servant responds again. He's like, hey, uh, well, how long you know you've been going to go on this journey? Known my entire life this day would come where I would go on this journey. Can I can I help you pack? Can I do anything for you? Can I help you get ready? No, there's nothing you you can do. The servant's like kind of puzzled. He's like, man, usually he you know he has things to do. So he looks at the master and he's like, Master, you you're telling me you've known your entire life that you would be going on this journey and you never got ready for it? You you never prepared for it? And you don't know where you're going? Master's like, that's exactly the way I'm feeling. That's exactly how it is servant looks at the master and he goes, Master, you can take your stick back. The point is, uh, we're all going on a journey, and at the end of our life, um, when the clock kicks zero, there's two destinations one or the other. <laughs> And it makes people feel uncomfortable. Some of us we, we don't it doesn't maybe make us feel that uncomfortable because we know where we're going. We're confident in that. But where it makes us maybe feel uncomfortable is thinking about our loved ones. or even like I'm think, I I was actually just thinking about this. Man, I have a three and a half year- old little girl. I got a newborn son. I hope at some point in their life they trust in Jesus. That's my biggest prayer as a dad. That they would come to this point of trusting in Jesus. And, and I was thinking about it. I was like, I, I'm, I knew I was going to say this. And I'm thinking, you know what the hardest thing for me is? It's the scariest thing is that they might say no to Jesus. That scares me. And it's, really scares me because the eternal eternity when we choose to say no to jesus is separation from him in hell and it makes people feel uncomfortable thinking about our loved ones spending eternity separated from god and and so what people do is we try to change truth about hell we try to say hey oh you know what all paths eventually lead to God. Right? That's that's a common thing in our culture. Or or even they go, you oh, know, hell, yeah, it, it 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 exists, but it's only for the really, really bad people. You know, the good people, everybody else, we we go to heaven. Or we they do the middle ground. Yeah, hell's for the really bad people. Heaven's for the really, really good people, and most people fit in the middle ground where you need to get a little bit extra pray. Your family needs to pray you into heaven, or maybe if they give enough, they can give or buy you into heaven. Or maybe they just say like things like, hey, it's just this life, and it ends. There's nothing next. Or some would say, hey, you know what? You just reincarnate as something else. And why do, why do we do that? Because it makes us feel uncomfortable thinking about when the journey comes to a close. And so we don't get ready for it. We don't want to think about it. Because we're uncomfortable with the reality of where we might spend eternity. And so out of the 162 references in the New Testament alone, it, it, it warns on hell. And then out of the 162 times Jesus speaks on hell over 70 times He actually speaks more about hell than he does about heaven. And so the reality is it can't be There's no nothing next and all of these other viewpoints, it, it doesn't align with necess, that, It doesn't align with scripture, the Bible. Heaven or hell, both very real. On the on this journey in your life, the question really comes down to where you will you spend it. And it makes people go, well, you know what? They ask, ask the question. You ever wonder why an all-loving God would send people to hell? So this morning we're going to answer that major question by three other questions of what is hell, who goes to hell, and how can we know that we will spend eternity in heaven? And we're looking at a passage, a story in Luke 16, uh, where Jesus tells uh, this, this parable. Uh, And where some would call most would say it's a parable um, because it's a short story that has a powerful truth and powerful meaning for your life. That's what a parable means. And Jesus was known for telling parables. But some would say this is a real story because of the fact that uh, it would be unlike any other parable that Jesus told. It's actually uh, Jesus never in a parable used anyone's name. He, He never used called someone by a name, but in this story he does. And so if it's a parable, it's unlike any other, or it's a real story that Jesus is telling about two different individuals, and it goes like this in Luke 16, starting verse 19. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And so what, what's happening is two different guys, rich man, and Lazarus, the poor man, rich man all on earth, had everything he could ever want. He he built up his earthly kingdom well. Life was good for him. The poor man, Lazarus, and life was miserable. And the way Jesus describes it, I, I can't, I don't, I, I don't, it makes me feel uncomfortable thinking about the way he just lived in his life on earth. He's hungry, starving. Sounds good to him to eat what his dog, the dogs would eat. The crumbs. He's got sores all over his body. In fact, the dogs are passing up on the crumbs and he, licking his sores. Like the picture, the painting there is just like, that's nasty. It's gross. Even though they have two contrasting Lives on earth, they also have two contrasting lives for eternity. The rich man is described in Hades, and, and and we'll get to that in a second. And the poor man Lazarus described as is near Abraham's bosom, which just means that he's he's in heaven. That he's the bosom is this literally means side so he's in the picture here is he's next to the father and he's like you get to have intimacy intimacy security and you get to feel joy being next to dad the way jesus is describing this he's saying lazarus is getting he's feeling complete joy describing his eternity Complete satisfaction. Complete security of being next to the Father. Whereas the rich man is in Hades, and Hades just means, and translated, the word is Gehenna in Greek, which means the valley of Hinnom. And so. Where they get this, or why Jesus is using this imagery of Hades, Gehenna, Valley of Hinnom, is because the Valley of Hinnom was a place in the southern part of Jerusalem, and, and so in ancient Israel, they what would happen there was they would worship a a god, a Canaanite god named Molech there, and. In that specific valley, what would happen in them worshiping the Canaanite god of Molech is that they would do child sacrifices. They would offer kids as sacrifices to this god. So the imagery that Jesus is painting of Hades, hell, is child sacrifice. And later then is what that valley of Hinnom was used as was a garbage dump where they would then burn the garbage. doesn't sound great. So Jesus describes this Hades this way. He's describing it again as a a place that is of bodies burning garbage. In ruin. It describes two different, totally contrasting places. Heaven, a complete joy, complete satisfaction. Hell, describing as a place of torment. Which makes people go, okay, the word torment, a lot of people makes us feel uncomfortable, so we just go, okay, it's just this uh, more... uh, hell's just a not a place of, of fire flames like the that imagery it's more of a place of it's like mind games it's a a place where you're you're in torment you you're there's there's i think there's truth to that where it's not just a a physical torment it's also a emotional torment where But it can't just be this emotional thing. It also has to be a physical thing because the next little portion, the rich man cries out, verse 24, and he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue. For I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, child, Remember that during your life you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' bad things. But now he is being comforted here and you are in agony. Again, describing two different, complete, contrasting places. The rich man is not just in torment, he's in agony. It's torture. Torment and torture is the picture. That is happening here, which again is making us probably, it should make us feel uncomfortable to imagine someone that we love spending eternity in agony and torment. And so it makes us go, why would a God that is all loving send someone to hell? It makes people think, go like this. It makes people turn to this story specifically and go, this is just a metaphor. This is just something that Jesus is telling a story because hell is a real place, but hell is for the really, really bad people. Like the rich man had to have done something really, really bad for him to deserve hell. And so as Jesus is describing this, this isn't exactly, this isn't literally what hell is like. It's just a metaphor of what hell is like. And if if that's true, for a second, that is what's happening here, and Jesus is just telling a, a, in using metaphors to describe hell, it can't be that hell is not as bad as this. Because if hell wasn't as bad as agony, as torment, as just in Lazarus so that he can take a little bit of water and put it on my tongue so that it can just, the agony can lessen a tiny bit. If it's not that, then Jesus is exaggerating what hell is like. And in that, Jesus is lying. And if Jesus is lying, then he is not perfect. And if he's not perfect then he has no ability to pay for our sins on the cross. And so if this is a metaphor, it, it has to mean that what Jesus is describing in hell is this is actually hell's worse than this. He's just using what we we know of as man this would be really really bad burning for all of eternity, that sounds pretty bad. Using our human imagination to be able to understand, hey, hell, it's not a place we would want anyone to go to. But because of this passage and the way Jesus is describing it, and using the name Lazarus, and the way he describes Real places in the Valley of Hinnom. It doesn't sound like a metaphor. It sounds like he's literally saying, "This is what hell is like. It is torment, agony." And again, we would ask the question, "Why would God send a all loving God send someone to hell?" And the answer of what is hell in Second Thessalonians chapter one it says this that God is dealing out His retribution. To those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So, what is hell? It's a place of torment and torture forever. Agony. What is hell? Hell is God's rightful wrath, his judgment. On those who do not want to obey Him, who refuse to obey Him, and then it, okay, we go, okay, okay, maybe there needs to be a hell, but we then start doing this. Maybe there's a middle ground for people to get out of hell, but the answer is this in Luke verse twenty six. It says this, and besides all this, answering back to the rich man, between us and you there is a great chasm and it is fixed. So that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able. And that none may cross over from there to us. It's permanent. When life ends on earth, our eternity is set. There's nothing that can change it. So, okay, hell is permanent, but it's got to be for the really, really bad people, right? You know, the the murderers, the rapists, like the Taliban, like those that category of people, like that's who deserves hell. You know. God, an all-loving God doesn't send good people to hell, right? And Jesus actually is asked that question by a man who comes up to him and who considers himself a pretty good guy. And probably everybody else would consider him a pretty good guy. And he goes up to Jesus and says, Hey, good teacher. How, how can I know if I die today that I'll spend eternity in heaven? And Jesus responds back to him and he, he says... Why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? There is no one good except God alone. There's no one good. Why would God, an all loving God, send people, good people, to hell? Because no one is good. Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. We all aren't good. Even though we might be considered good in earthly categories, maybe. God says, you've missed the mark. The wages of sin, disobey me. Is death eternal death it's separation from me forever and that's right because God's not all just all loving right He's also just in order for him to be all loving he also has to judge wrong evil. Why would God send good people out? No one is good. Only God so I've, I, if I ask you the question, which I do all a lot, especially when I, I'm not really sure where someone thinks they're about their salvation if I, I'm not convinced that maybe they are they know Jesus i, I we' working with students or, or the adults I, the question I go to I go, all right, you're on this journey. Life is going to end, right? James says life is a vapor. It's here one moment. It's gone the next. So life is going to end. You're running through life. It's going good or not going good. and Who knows? But it ends. Where will you spend eternity? and I'll, I, I hear all the time, adults, students, it's always... You know, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven. Why? I'm a good person. Like, okay, out of of confidence. Zero out of, you know, what percentage do you think you're going to go to heaven? 70, 80 percent? You know, like, okay. It's like a weird number, like 70, 80 percent. Like, why why 70, 80 percent? And you know what happens next? Always happens next. They follow up with their resume. Every single time. Like an adult's resume looks a little bit different than a student's resume, but an the adult, they turn to you and they go, you know what, uh, I'm a pretty good guy. Why are you going to heaven? Oh, I'm a pretty good, you know, I'm 78% cop, sure. Why? Why? Because I, I'm a pretty good guy. Like, I, I pay my taxes. Do that. That's that's doing, doing pretty good. I uh I didn't fire the guy that I could have fired. I let him be. He was late like five times in a row and I, I could have fired him, but I didn't. I uh man, I've I mowed my old lady's lawn. That's pretty good. Rake the leaves for my neighbor. Gave twenty bucks to a homeless guy. You know, it, it just fills up all these nice things but your nice things don't undo your wrong things so when I and I then I turn to them they say 70 80 and I go you know what I get you know what I get to be a hundred and percent sometimes their faces is like you're reading it and you know they're thinking and they're thinking I'm arrogant and I'm like This isn't arrogance that I'm saying this. Because if it was my resume, my resume says I'm not good enough. I told you I have a three and a half year old little girl. She doesn't stop talking, she just doesn't. She goes on and on forever. You're like, she also, I have a beard. She grabs my beard and she will yank it. And it's like my face just feels like it's gonna fall off. And so sometimes I get mad. <laughs> Truthfully, honestly, sometimes I, I, I raise my voice to her when I shouldn't, right? I've lied. I've cheated. I could go on by all my my how my resume is not good enough. You know, when they, the, the boss, on the, the job interview, you get the, the question that says, What your, are your strengths? And then what are your weaknesses? Though my weaknesses, the list, when it's, if I'm really honest, the list goes on and on and on because of all the things that I've done that are wrong. I'm not good enough. And Jesus turns to this guy who's asking, and he says, hey, there's late, just a little bit after he says no one is good except God alone, he then looks at it. on the Bible notes that Jesus has had compassion on him. And so he says this next. He says that, hey, there's still one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then follow me. And it wasn't that what God would get him into heaven was selling all of his possessions, giving it to the poor, and, and then he following Jesus. It, that wasn't the thing that was getting him in heaven. Jesus is pointing out to him, You have another God above me. You built your earthly kingdom so well, you're losing your soul. What is hell? It is God's rightful wrath judgment on those who do not obey Him. And it is fixed. It's eternity. Separated from God forever. Torment. Agony forever. Who goes to hell? Those who refuse to worship Him. Those who refuse to give God their life. Those who have other gods above the one true God, which all of us fit in that category. Who goes to hell? We all deserve hell. We all deserve to be separated from God. The truth is, He's not forcing anyone into heaven. So hell's filled with those who have rejected For the rich man, the story Jesus is telling, it's too late. It's forever. Lazarus, go get me some water. I just need a little... His agony will continue. You know, if this is a real story that Jesus is telling, he told this 2,000 years ago. And if this is a real story, then he's telling about a rich man who, his life ended and found himself in hell. And he's in agony and torment. And it will never cease. And it, well, that was 2,000 years ago. And it still has not stopped. And it will continue for eternity. If it's a metaphor, by the way, then Jesus is still describing a metaphor of Someone that will find themselves spending eternity in hell. But for the rich man, he he gets to this point and he's realizing there's it's hopeless for him. And he turns and he he does one more plea in verse twenty seven. He says and he said, "Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them." so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. What's really crazy about this? is just a little bit after Jesus tells this story, Jesus rises a guy named Lazarus from the dead. And you know what the reaction of people were? Hey, I want to kill the guy that just was killed. I want to kill the guy that just came back from the dead. I want to rekill him. And then they turn to Jesus and they, they, they want to kill him. Wasn't a uh, humbleness that came out of it? Almost hate. And then, even crazier, Jesus goes to the grave, goes to the cross, defeats it, rises from the dead, appears. What happened? Still, people reject it. Why would God, an all-loving God, you ever wonder why an all-loving God would send someone to hell? The answers are, we aren't good enough. We aren't good. And we've rejected Him like he's created us in his image right we've all been we're all been created in his image to reflect his him we we were created to know him to love him to serve him and all of us have failed at doing that we're not we aren't doing that every second of every single day that's why we were created because we have rejected him Hell has to exist, but it isn't that God is just going. I- I'm not gonna. I'm, there's hell, and everybody deserves it, and I'm not giving you a way out. God gives us the solution in Himself. The cross shows the length that God is willing to go through, so that no one would have to sell. Romans five, it says this about Jesus. And about God, about Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates His own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And He didn't say, hey, go clean up your life. Come to me. Hey, get your resume fixed up before you can come to me. He said, hey, just come. God died for you while you were still in your sin. Still not choosing to love Him. He died for you. The worst part of you, He, he died for Isaiah says this, uh, Isaiah 53, But He, Jesus, was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging, by His blood, we are healed. All of us are like sheep that have gone astray. Each of us have turned to His own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. We've all are like sheep that have gone astray. We deserve eternity separated from God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift that Jesus is offering to you and to me is life. Eternal life. That's only found in Jesus. Only found, not in your resume, not on the good things, the nice things that you do, but on His resume. On what his work that he did on the cross where he said it is finished he can pay for your sins past present future you you can be forgiven made new given new life and in that new life promised life that lasts for eternity. How can I be a hundred percent sure because it's not my resume it's his. It's not my list of accomplishments. It's Jesus went to the cross for me to die for me. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. But he's offered me new life in him and I've accepted it. I've turned to him desperately wanting to know him. So hell is God's justice on display. When we think of like an event like, for me, I always think of like the Holocaust. Where there's evil in there, right? Evil that in a way, it seems like you got away, people got away with evil. Crimes. And, and so whatever might, might be the evil that we've experienced or evil around us or evil that we see in our world today. God says, vengeance is mine. No one gets away with evil, their sin. That's good news. We think about something like the Holocaust, man, awful, horrendous. No one should that that needs judgment. And God says, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna judge the sins of the world. I'm gonna judge that. But then we also got to think about ourselves. Because the opposite of good, it has to be evil. And if no one is good except God, that means all of us are evil. Which makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. I'm not evil. No, we all are. We all have done things, we've all lied. We've all said things that we probably shouldn't have said, and that has hurt others. Might have stolen, cheated. Jesus goes, if you hate in your heart?" And then it's like you murdered someone. You lust. You've committed adultery. We we are all we're all way far more messed up than we can ever imagine, and we're more hopeless than we can than we think. We're in a desperate situation. We need to become desperate. Realize I'm broken. I need to turn my life over to Jesus because our sins will either be paid for in hell or they'll be paid for on the cross. You get to choose. Jesus isn't forcing you. He's going, I want. if you want to come to me, humble, desperate, I'll forgive your sins. I'll make you new. But if you want to reject me and you want to pay for your sins yourself, you can. You just won't be with me for eternity. You'll be separated from me because you rejected me. You'll be separated from me for eternity paying for your sins. And Jesus is saying, this is how your sins are paid for in hell. Where you'll be in torment and agony. Forever. And it's there's no changing that. You have this life to choose. How do you want to spend the next? What's really crazy about this story that Jesus is telling is uh, you have the rich man, you have Lazarus. By the way, do you know what the name Lazarus means? I found this out not that long ago and it kind of blew my mind a little bit. The name Lazarus literally means God has helped. So Jesus tells his whole story. He's a rich man. He's spending eternity in hell. Lazarus, the one that God has helped. You know where he is for eternity? Heaven. Feeling comforted. Security. Intimacy of being next to the Father Forever. We're all on a journey. We're running. We're... Where will you spend it? And the answer comes down really simple. Has God helped you? Not, not. oh yeah, my bills got paid. Have you given Jesus your life? Because the thing you need help with is that you have are dead in your sins and you need to be made alive. Has Jesus come into your life? If you acknowledge your sin, admit that you're broken, needing a Savior, and believe that that's why He died on the cross, and so you confess to Him, I want you to become the Lord over my life. If you've done that, God has helped you. And you get to have confidence, you'll spend eternity with God forever. It's great news. But there's also some humbly news that we got to think about. If that's you and that's me this morning, then there's also, just like this rich man who's crying out for his brothers, his family, hope, begging for someone to tell them about the solution so that they wouldn't spend eternity in hell. God has given you and me. If we're saying, I, I know Jesus, I've come to that point of trusting in Him, we have been given the most important job to tell people about Jesus. To tell them about the solution. That there's a way out. That that doesn't have to be their reality. That they can spend eternity, they can be confident that they can spend eternity with God in heaven. So if you made that decision already, you get to walk out of here this morning feeling joy, feeling good, but we also have a job. And if you haven't made that decision, you can also leave here this morning feeling that same way if you would humble yourself, become desperate for Jesus, and you would give Him your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for everyone that's here today. And God, we just know that it, there's struggles where people struggle with the reality of hell. But God, we know that it is real. We know that you've created it. You you have hell exists for a reason, and it is because God, you are not just all loving. You are also just. God, that you have to pay this for the sins you have to we you have to judge the sins of the world. So God, I, we th- you know we thank you for that. And God, we also thank you that you are loving, that you did provide a solution, an answer. God, I pray that if someone has not made that decision, that they would humble themselves, they would give their life over to you. So that they can realize, they can see that their eternity can be changed because of Your work, Your resume. And I thank You for all that You've done for us. And Lord, help us to then reach those who are lost or are dead in their sins. And Lord, help us to tell them that there is hope in Jesus. There is good news in You. Lord, we love You. We praise You. In Jesus' name, amen. you well, we guys,